you've got a Bible, uh, jump into Hebrews 6. Um, just before we take communion, just want to unpack that verse just for 10 minutes. Uh, just while you're finding your Bibles or your devices and finding Hebrews chapter six, um, one of my life goals has been to learn to sail. I nearly had the opportunity at one point, but circumstances meant I couldn't go on the lessons. But I love sailing. I love watching sailing the America's Cup, just watching the wind power the boats across the water. I love it. Um, well, in theory, I love it. Uh, in practice, my experience of sailing is quite limited. Um, I've been on a boat a few times, but the one time that comes to mind was when a friend of mine and myself went fishing one uh, day on the sea. Um, and after a little while, I was forced to lay down in the bow of the boat because I just felt so ill. Uh, it was the constant motion of the ocean uh, just made me feel so, so sick. Um, and, and thankfully, I'm glad that we, we'd got a, a kind of little sea anchor type thing that was stopping us moving because uh, my friend and I, we travelled through the night, which was perhaps another reason why we didn't feel so great, just driving through the night to get to this place where we were going to go sea fishing on his boat. And uh, we both actually fell asleep in the boat. So without the anchor, we'd have just drifted uh, and goodness knows where. Um, being anchored, it, it, it's a term that most will understand. Uh, what that means. The, the anchor is designed in such a way that it grips the bottom of the ocean or it's heavy enough to sit there and keep the boat secure from drifting away during a current or a storm. This image of an anchor is one that we find in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, it's quite complex language that the writer is using but let me just read to you Hebrews 6 17 to 20 and we're going to focus in on just a couple of those verses. It's because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise. He guaranteed it with an oath. So that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. As I say, it's, it's quite com complex and convoluted language, but the writer to the Hebrews, and it's written to multiple Hebrew, uh, multiple Jewish groups, it's the Hebrews, it's plural, um, and he's writing to address some issues that they're going through. These, these Jews are now believing that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised one, the one that, that was said would come and save all of humanity. He's the fulfillment of the prophets and the promises. And, uh, and because of their decision to follow Jesus, they're facing persecution. They're even facing death. Many have lost family members, friends, businesses, jobs. The, the storm they're going through is pretty intense. And it seems that this letter is written to two groups. And the first group is those that are ready to give up. This storm is too much. I can't cope anymore. Jesus, I'm not sure you're either worth it or you're really going to help me through this. I am ready to give up. And to those, the writer says, don't give up. And the other group, they seem to just want to kind of add Jesus in to what they've already got sorted in life. And for those that he's writing to, it's, it's almost like they just wanted to add Jesus into the traditions they'd already got. We've got life sorted, but Jesus, yeah, he's a nice little add-in. Let's just add him in. And they came up with this kind of mesh of, of paths that, that included Jesus, but wasn't only Jesus. And to those, the writer says, Jesus really is enough. He is what you need. And to 
emphasize this, the writer uses this seafaring language to describe Jesus. To those that are ready to give up, who feel the storm is overwhelming, he's saying, don't give up. Jesus is secure. He cannot be moved. He's like an anchor that will not be shifted. And when the waves of this storm start pounding, you can be sure that he is steadfast and he will not be moved. And to those that are simply adding Jesus in, Jesus is the only anchor. When all other sources of stability will fail you and let you down, Jesus will remain, so hold on to him. And the writer paints this beautiful picture of Jesus in verse 19, where he says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. He's speaking of Jesus. And then it goes a little bit strange, and it says, it leads us through the curtain to God's inner sanctuary. I'm reading it, I'm going, hang on, you've got anchors and sea and boats, I get that, but suddenly we've got a curtain and a sanctuary. Well, the, the letter will go on to speak of Jesus as the high priest. See, a priest was one who mediated between man and God. And because the writer is thinking of priests, he starts thinking of temples, and he starts thinking of that place where God dwelt, that space that was the connection point physically between God's space and our space, and then these people that were the mediators between us and God. And the writer thinks of those two things. And in that moment, his mind goes to, to that moment in the year where uh, one priest would enter the temple. Now, the temple was separated into different sections and it got more exclusive the closer you got to the middle until you reached what was called the Holy of Holies, where one man once a year was allowed to go behind this curtain to what was believed to be the holiest place on earth where they believed God dwelt. And on that day, it's called the Day of Atonement, they would, they would kill this lamb, this picture that, was spotless and perfect that picture of what we could never be and they sacrificed this lamb and its blood was shed on behalf of the people and forgiveness of sin and it's rich with imagery and it's hugely significant to those that are reading this letter and what this writer is saying is that Jesus is that lamb once and for all he has gone in, not to the earthly temple, but he has gone into the true temple, the true sanctuary, into the inner court, into the very presence of our loving father. He has gone in on our behalf. And for those that believe in what Jesus has done, as he hung on that cross, as we're going to take communion just in a couple of minutes, we remember what he has done. That in that moment, all of our error, all of our wrong that keeps humanity from relationship with God, because there is no way that a perfect God can mix with that which is imperfect, me dare I say you, because if he mixes with us, that which is imperfect suddenly will, will stop him being perfect. But God, who is rich in mercy and love, made a way for us and said, I long for you to be with me. And through Jesus, that once and for all sacrifice took on our sin and he takes it to the grave. So those of us that declare that Jesus is Lord and Savior, our sin it is dealt with, that which keeps us from God, it is dealt with past, present and future. It is dead, it is gone. You and I are made right. And the writer is saying now, now hold on to what he has done, who he is. Hold on to it like this great metal cable that attaches the anchor to the boat. Hold on to him because he is there in the very presence of God like an anchor. And as long as we don't let go of the cable, we're anchored to the presence of God. And all the wind, all the waves, all the tide, all the storms that may come, it cannot shift and it cannot take that away. It cannot stop what Christ has done. That is the hope we have. And it's not wishful thinking. It's firm and it's secure because it's built upon who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. 
That's the oath that God promises by himself. Firstly, there's an oath. God longs for us to be with him. And he says these two things, there is an oath is the first thing. The second thing that he swears it by himself, that it's Jesus, that it is unshakable. Church, we need to be reminded of this truth today. When we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, maybe this COVID storm, the, 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 the whole uh, effects of this storm, maybe it's not COVID directly. For some it is, we've heard from Mary and her family. For others, it's the effects of it. For others, it may be other things going on in your life. But when that storm seems so overwhelming, when there's seemingly no end in sight, when everything we've known about life is not what life is, it can be so easy to give up or to add Jesus in to whatever we think will make life feel easier. Jesus plus the shopping spree, Jesus plus the good job, Jesus plus the health, Jesus plus the money in the bank account, all those things that we add Jesus into, but they're not secure and they can fail us at any moment. And this passage, it asks us the question, to what are you anchored? because we're all anchored to something. And at our deepest level, we need to be anchored to something. We need something that brings us security and stability. And we cannot be anchored to ourselves. Well, I mean, you can try to be anchored to yourself, but if you're anchored to yourself, you'll only ever be as strong as you are. It's the same for anything else you cling to for security during this season. And I wanna say that the confusion during this season is real. The anxiety is real. The uncertainty is real. And in all of that, it can be really easy to hold on to that which we think will keep us secure. Maybe because it's kept us secure in the past. My ability, my skills, my adaptability. But it's not been enough. There's been times over these past few months where even though I've got those skills and I've been able to implement in my life in the past, they haven't been enough during these last few months. And it can be, it can be hard to cope. Even those who think they're, think they're pretty resilient, this storm has been overwhelming and it keeps coming and it keeps going. Even those that have seemingly been mentally strong. I was reading the newspaper just this morning, just the, the percentage increase of people that are going to the doctors for the first time with mental health issues. Eight out of 10 people are now saying they feel their life is threatened because of COVID. We're not promised that the storms won't come. In fact, this imagery of an anchor suggests that there will be storms what an anchor protects us from but in those moments there is something that we can hold on to that can withstand the storm and anything other than Jesus will not withstand the pounding waves holding on to him making sure the anchor uh, the cable of the anchor is firmly secure at our end that's what we can do because it can be so easy to lose sight and get distracted to focus on other details to hope in hope and not hope in Jesus but our hope is not in wishful thinking we're not whistling in the dark we don't have faith in faith our hope isn't in optimism we're not just a glasses half full kind of people our hope is trusting and going on trusting in a God whose unbreakable promises he will keep because he cannot lie that's what this passage assures us of Jesus is our hope not Jesus plus only Jesus he's the anchor that in and of himself is firm and secure. And for me, the communion table is that place where that reality is brought back. It's where this language about the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, the inner sanctuary is that holy of holies behind that curtain that I've just spoken about. This curtain that believed they believe was 30 foot high and four inches thick. One historian at the time that I was reading says, you could tie a horse to one end of it and another horse to the other and they could pull it, but they'd never rip it apart. Our hope is that we get to go beyond the curtain. Our hope is that we get to enter into the sanctuary, to go into the very presence of God, that no matter what storm is raging, we can be with God and he is with us. 
And Jesus has made that possible. Look at Matthew 27. Let me read it to you. Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lamak salaktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and grabbed a sponge and filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That's the curtain. The curtain that's kept humanity from the very presence of God is now being torn wide open. The curtain was torn from top to bottom. This is not something that we humans could do. This is something that only God can do from top to bottom, not bottom to top. This is something that had to be Jesus. So now we, we can be taken into that place, into the very presence of God. So no matter what is going on around us, we can know a security and something that is always true, that we have direct, direct access to the presence of God through what Jesus has done. He has gone before us. He has made it firm. He has made it secure and nothing can take that away. No storm we face, no loss of another anchor that we might hold on to. And so just like the writer to the Hebrews assures his readers, let me assure you, do not give up. Jesus really is enough. So when the full force of the storm hits us, maybe it's revealing what we're anchored to. For many, your ability to get through it, to tough it out, it's not enough. Your spouse, your friends, they're not enough. That job security, that fine bill of health, wealth and happiness, it's not enough. I, as your pastor, if indeed you see me as your pastor, I am not enough for you. Jesus, only Jesus. And that's why we gather around this communion table, around this meal. In fact, I think every meal is an opportunity to be reminded of this. To be reminded that God is bigger, that God is our provider and he has made a way. How can we this week be reminded that Jesus is enough? How about as you eat this week? Yes, communion right now, but I think this communion table, it points to every table that we gather around. Every meal, 21 meals that you'll potentially have this week. Those meals are a reminder that we need something outside of ourselves to take in, to feed the hunger and to satisfy us. That's what food does. Every meal that you have this week is a reminder that Jesus is enough, that he is the one that we need to take and we need to have inside of us by his spirit that will satisfy and feed the hunger. There's no other anchor that can hold us. Every meal points to someone else, that we need someone outside of ourselves to sustain us. Paul writes, uh, I think to the Corinthian church, he says, as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you proclaim his death until he comes. When we eat, we proclaim we need something other than ourselves to be anchored to that can keep us firm, can keep us secure, can sustain us through the storm. Church, we need someone other than ourselves. And every meal we eat points to the provision of God, not just because of the food on the table. Well, that's a great prayer to pray. But actually that we have a God who has given himself, has saved us by himself. What he has done, we could never do. He has made the way for us to experience life and life in all its fullness. So how about practically this week as you eat one of those 21 meals, maybe all of those 21 meals, stop and be reminded. Yeah, pray over the food. That's great. But how about be reminded of the giver of the food who hasn't just given you the food, but he's actually a picture of what you're doing right now. You're proclaiming him as your savior. 
as we take communion right now we're proclaiming him as our savior that which is outside of us needs to come inside of us and sustain us through what we're going through in this communion meal an extra one added into the 21 be reminded right now no matter what your need is your anxiety your lack your pain your inability your fragility don't give up jesus is enough I've asked if Phil and Jess will lead us through communion. They're going to do that in, an, in a moment and we'll take communion and we'll end our time together. But why not, during this moment, bring that which is taking life from you? Why don't you bring it, that which is making you feel less or that situation that is making you want to give up and be reminded just who Jesus is. For me, that means my inability well, I feel like I'm not enough for you, for my family, for this situation. I'm not enough in and of myself. I cannot do it. But Jesus is enough. And in my insufficiency, he is my sufficiency. Christ's perfect, perfect performance takes the place of my lacking performance. And in my temptation to think that in the midst of all this, it's all about me. I take the cup and I remember he's the saviour, not me. He's enough, even though I'm not. He's paid the price because I never could. I want to say those of you who don't feel good enough know that Jesus has paid the price. And that price was set and it's his own life. And he has declared that you're worth it. For those who feel like you've wasted years not knowing him, let me tell you, Jesus is the great redeemer who makes all things new. And by his death on the cross, you're forgiven and you're given a whole new life. Nothing's wasted. And for those who feel overwhelmed, know that Jesus is the rock. Nothing shakes him. Stand on him. He's made the way for you to know the love of his presence. Whether you've ever known a love like that before, there's a God who loves you, who's going through it, and his punishment has become your peace. So whatever it is that you feel you need to add Jesus into, he's, he's enough. Whatever's making you want to feel like you want to give up, just bring it to him and know that it's Jesus that you hold on to, not that thing, not your ability, not whatever you've got going on in life that makes you feel secure. It's only him. And so church, Phil and Jess are going to lead us into communion and maybe just take this, this moment to, to allow Jesus to speak into your heart. Be reminded that he is enough. Don't give up. Phil, Jess, will you lead us in communion? Thanks, John. I'm just going to just open up in prayer. Um, if you don't have any kind of bread or juice, wine or a biscuit or anything, just uh, anything to have, um, why don't you just take a, a few minutes just to grab that um, um, as I just pray. Dear Lord, just thank, thank you for this opportunity that we have, Father, to, to meet together um, and just be reminded of, of the sacrifice you made on the cross. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us alone, Father, and you, you gave us your Holy Spirit. But uh, Jesus, I just thank you for this, this just very, very simple reminder that you've given us, Father, and you've, you've instructed us to do. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I just, I just thank you that we have this opportunity. And thank you that something that's so simple can just be um, just so meaningful to us. And Lord Jesus, um, I just pray, um, pray for those that, that don't have um, the bread and the wine at this time, Father. Father, in your spirit, would you, would you um, move, move to meet the needs of those, Lord? 
using us as your hands and feet in those situations. Just like we've done with the, with the food bank this week, Lord Jesus. I just pray now that you'll allow us to examine our own hearts as we approach your communion table. Thank you, Father, that you nudge our hearts not to, not to condemn us, Father, but to um, restore that relationship with us and bring us closer to you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11:23 to 24. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he, was, he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, this is Jesus' body broken for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, this is Jesus' blood shed for you on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Jesus broke the bread and shared the wine with his disciples, explaining that God was establishing a new covenant with his people. And the new covenant is that our relationship with God is based on our faith that Jesus is the Son of God and he is the promised Messiah. I'm um, just going to take a few moments to, to read the, um, the Lord's Prayer together, uh, if you'd like to, to, to read along. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, through your death and resurrection, you reconciled the world to God and through your example, you have shown us a way to peace. Give us strength as the people of God to be channels of peace mm. in the world at this time. Help us to be a non-anxious presence to those around us, speaking your peace, living your peace, and always longing for that moment of eternal peace when we should see you face to face. Amen. 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 Amen.